Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Creative Queso. I'm your host, Jennifer Perkins. Each week, usually with a guest, I chat about the business of being creative and the creativity behind running a business. Today's guest is someone who I have worked with many times through the years. For a long time, I was a weekly content designer for I Love to Create. It's the company that makes Aliens Tacky Glue and Tulip Tie-Dye, among other things. At the time, Alexa was also with I Love to Create, creating all kinds of fun viral content for the company and helping oversee their social media content. That's how we first connected. We've both moved on to new and exciting adventures since then, but Alexa is still just as crafty and brilliant at social media. Alexa Westerfield sure is a swell gal. Like, you might know her better as the one-woman dancing machine in a unicorn mask known as the Swell Designer and the Boss Lady at Swell Creative Media. All fun antics aside, Alexa is an expert at content creation. She has an amazing new free PDF called One Piece of Content, 25 Different Ways, and really, who doesn't need something like that? Everyone listening should go download that like yesterday. The never-ending treadmill of content creation is a hard wheel to get off of. Alexa and I talk about clever ways to repackage that content that you probably already have, how crafters could be working smarter, not harder, and how to drill down and find what your benchmark content really is. Ready to do this? I warn you, you're going to have queens stuck in your head and the sudden urge to go melt crayons over pumpkins 25 different ways after you listen to this. All right. Hello, Alexa, and thank you for coming on the Creative Queso podcast. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm excited you're here. I've got so many like hot burning questions for you. I love using, <laughs> I, I love using these podcasts like as an excuse to like quiz people on their expertise yeah I feel like I'm in one of those uh I don't know it's like a Andy Cohen show or something you're asking me putting me on the hot seat or something exact yes yes <laughs> what is it like watch what happens live is that what yes. it's called pretty much <laughs> you exactly might, you might get some juicy secrets out of me <laughs> Ooh, don't even say that I'll save those for the end um you know first I wanted to jump right in with you know, you and I kind of have a similar trajectory as of late. We're both crafters and creatives mm-hmm. at heart, but we also both are super passionate about the marketing side and the business side. And that's why I always say my tagline is like, this is about the business of being creative and the creativity behind running a business. But before we get into your like latest endeavor, which is Swell Creative Media, I want to really quickly touch on Alexa, the Swell Designer. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's great. Uh, Okay, so you and I worked together back when you were at I Love to Create, and now you're kind of, for the most part, you're out of that industry. Your day job is you're a creative director and a social media strategist for a firm, but Mm -hmm. inquiring minds want to know, are you still crafting in your free time? I don't craft as much as I would like. You know, I was doing that for about 15 years, so... You know, I would get into a habit just personally of everything I crafted was had strategy to it. <laughs> so uh-huh. it almost kind of took the fun out of crafting. So 
now these days, you know, I do enjoy a little jewelry making every once in a while. I paint every once in a while, but I, I really try not to be like, Alexia, you don't have to put this on the internet. <laughs> like nobody has to, you can just enjoy this for the process. You don't have to like blog it or do all those things. Cause that's what I'd done for like 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. And that's a good place. I mean, I talk, so many people that I've been talking to are saying that exact same thing. Like, you know, finding that, that space where it's like, I can be creative just for me. It doesn't have to be for work. It doesn't have to be for a social media post. Like I can put a pom-pom on it in the privacy of my own home and keep it private. <laughs> <laughs> so those, good dirty, those dirty, crafty secrets. Exactly. Well, good for you then. <laughs> but when you, when you were creating all that content, I know you had um, lots of pieces that went viral. Like, you know, you had like all kinds of pumpkins, like the Trumpkin and the Snooky pumpkin, and then lots of tie dye projects. What was the most like viral piece of content you created? Uh, probably the most viral piece of content ever created was a <laughs> crayon pumpkin I made. Um, oh, where I remember that. It, if you, if you guys have ever seen that white crayon pumpkin, it's got white with the crayons. Now, let me just, um, preface that with I think I saw one other person doing it and they did it in a really wacky way on an orange pumpkin and I was mm -hmm. just like hmm, that doesn't look very good it, it didn't look very good because I would I think you do this too you exist extensively google search to make sure like the idea hasn't been taken mm -hmm. and that's what I would do and then I was like oh it doesn't look like anybody's hit this one and at that time those white canvases with the crayons coming down were like all the rage and I was like I'm gonna put that on a pumpkin and I'm gonna make it a white pumpkin and that thing immediately blew up it still is my top post to this day like every oh, year pe people come around and say can we feature this can we feature this and I'm like sure go for it I mean, so. I can see it. I can see the pumpkin in my head. I know the exact picture you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, the way you did like the rainbow colors on the white heirloom pumpkin. Yeah. It was perfect. And the timing. Yeah. The yeah, timing was perfect. For a while, like people would be like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, well, I work here by day and then by night I do like blogging and I do crafts. I said, do you know that pumpkin on Pinterest that you saw the white one with the crayons? And they were like, oh yes, I just pinned that yesterday. And I was like, that was mine. You need to have that like on it. You need to have like the picture of it, like on a t-shirt, like I made this pumpkin. I am the rainbow crayon pumpkin girl. And I loved, almost, I loved that pumpkin. It was pretty. It was, all, it's almost funny though. Cause it's like, you know, it gets really hard in the, in that's this space to be like, I claim this stake of this idea. And I was like, at the end of the day, it's just a pumpkin with crayon on it, you know, like to be like, to be like, that's my, that's my original idea. And I'm going to get pumped and jazz for it. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I kind of, this is how I feel about it. I feel like once you put an idea out there and it gets really received and copied, you've really, you're, you're basically a creative innovator. I'm sure you've had that happen too, where you kind of got to chalk it up and be like, you know what? I put something good out in the world and now other people are making content off of it. And you guys go, you do you. <laughs> exactly. You know, and a lot of times, like for me, that's nothing makes me happier than seeing like people sending me projects or tagging me in things that are, you know, something that I made and then they made their own version of it. Like I practically get misty about it. I'm just like, Oh, look at you. Yeah. And look that's the nicest is when they do tag you and they tell you that you inspired them. A lot of people mm -hmm. don't do that, but yeah, it's true. Well, a lot of people probably just don't even know. They just like, yeah, I know that pumpkin. They're just like, 
I don't even know, but I, that doesn't surprise me. For a hot second there, there was like, you know me, I'm an avid thrifter. You couldn't go to the thrift store without finding like a canvas that somebody had like desperately tried to melt a crayon on. And you were just like, oh, that was a craft fail for you, wasn't it? Because it doesn't always come out as pretty as your pumpkin. I saw, I saw many a thrift store canvas that would attest to that. So, okay, well, good to know you're still keeping creative and, you know, you still got, you still got those creative juices flowing. Oh, um, yeah, I still have all the ideas. I just don't always have the execution. <laughs> no, I hear you. I mean, even I'm the same way. It's like I do it for a living, but there's still like, there's still ideas that I never get to like actually, you know, it's awesome in my head, but I never get to actually, you know, sprinkle the glitter to make it. Yeah, to make, for sure. To, to make it happen. So you sent me this amazing download that you have over on your website called one piece of content, 25 ways. So like in, in other words, like how to melt, a, how to melt crayons 25 different ways or how to decorate a pumpkin 25 ways. Yes. As someone like me, and I know you've been there and we both have friends that are this way. I, you know, sometimes you just get feeling stuck on that treadmill of content creation I know I do. Like, I was so pumped to read this because I think as creatives and as content creators, we feel the need to like reinvent the wheel every time. And then like every time, you know, every time we put a glue stick to paper, then it's got to be, you know, on the internet and that we feel like we can't mm -hmm. ever post the same thing twice. Um, so I'm going to kind of use you, like you, you said you had free 20 minutes calls on your website. Did I read that? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to use and abuse that in my, uh, okay. 20 minute podcast. Yeah, call. yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me first about why it's okay for people to post the same thing on Instagram more than once or Facebook more than once, because some people feel like that, that they shouldn't do. Yeah. Well, I feel like we kind of get in like little hamster wheels with our content. We feel like that we always have to be producing it so that we just keep spinning and then we're getting frazzled and all stressed out. And the case is you don't have to do it that that hard because we just get, we think that the person on Facebook that we posted it for five hours ago is, is everybody in your whole group is going to see it or on your friends list or whatever. They're all going to see it. And you know, on our Facebook pages, I think what's the statistic, like 1% of the people see our content if it's organic, <laughs> like mm -hmm. only a tiny minuscule amount of people saw that post. Same thing on Instagram, only unless you have this huge viral, but even the viral post like that does really well, doesn't get seen by everybody. So I, I really feel like people need to like, this is, this is what I see on Instagram all the time. And I love it when people do this. And you probably notice this too, is go take that pumpkin or whatever project it is and take eight photographs of it. Mm -hmm. And then like pepper it into your feed every so often, the same project, maybe it's a slightly different picture. It's not that much different, but you're just, you don't have, you can talk about the same thing. You can add maybe a different twist or add a different tip to everything. You can um, show a different picture. You can, and some, sometimes like I've heard people say that after three months, you can regurgitate the same exact content up and just keep posting it over because the person that's reading it now does not remember what they read three months ago. So you think it's totally okay to, because sometimes I'll fall into that because I'll have like a professional photographer come and they take a bunch of pictures. And yeah, just like you said, there might be eight different pictures of one Easter basket that I could post different mm -hmm. ways, but, but you think it's okay to post like the same exact picture again. Do you have like an opinion on like how much time, like you said, three months, do you think? 
I think it depends on the project. You know, there's certain crafts. Like, if it's a pumpkin, I'm not going to post that three months later. That doesn't make any sense, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But if it's an evergreen piece of content, I'm sure you have some really great evergreen pieces of content that they're your, like, ride-or-die projects that Mm -hmm. you could could probably, um, yeah, every three to six months just keep um, posted again. And you can post, like... I've had friends that on Facebook, they take the same project and they'll post it a couple times a month because there's such limited reach. So everybody that sees it for the first time, it's like new eyeballs on it, you know? Yeah, so, I was going to ask you about that. Like, what are your thoughts on, like, I know it's a no-no to like have your, or they say it's a no-no to have your Instagram synced up to your Facebook so that it's the exact same content on both places because why would they follow you both places? But what are your thoughts on let's say I made a Christmas ornament. Like, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on, like, I want to post it to, like, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook. Should I stagger it? Should it all be at one time? Like, do you have, like, an idea about best practices for that? Well, I think there's a couple things to think about this. There's a way I do it, and there's a way that you can do it. Um, The way I do it, a lot of times, is I will post all that at the same time. However... When I post it, I make sure that each one is catered to the different network. So mm-hmm. if I was going to post it to Pinterest, I make it, to make it an SEO rich, you know, a description. And then I go in and add all the hashtags because hashtags work great on Pinterest these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll do that. And I don't know if any of your um, listeners like use Tailwind or whatever, but you can then just queue it up and keep queuing it up for, you know, a long time on your mm-hmm. tailwind so that it just keeps getting published. Um, I would do something like that. And then I would launch it on Pinterest. Then I'd go over Facebook. I would write in the certain caption. Um, maybe, you know, I, I always look at what's the best practice for the channel, you know, mm-hmm. and what are you going to do for that channel? And a lot of people get, and this is the part I was talking about. Um, a lot of people, they're like, Oh, well I shouldn't post all my stuff at the same time. And, that's really, I think, a personal preference. My personal opinion is if it's a good piece of content, it's going to perform. <laughs> if you've done the best practices, mm-hmm. if it's a good piece of content, a lot of people are going to eyeball it and see it. If it's not a good piece of content, it's just it's it's going to be kind of like a dud. It's just not going to go anywhere. You know what I mean? Or it's going to go middle of the road. I just feel like um, – the more best practices you put in play and then also the better content you serve up specifically for the channel, you're going to have a better outcome and effect. And if you feel more comfortable with posting to the best time, you go do that. That's totally cool. But I just know I don't have time to do all that staggering approaches. Yeah. But like you said too, like I'm with you. I also think that just like bombarding people with like the project, like all at once is good. I always think of the old, like, marketing strategy that like they have to see your name seven times before they actually mm. pay attention mm-hmm. to it do you know what I mean so I feel like if ever if somebody glanced at it saw it on Pinterest Twitter Facebook maybe by the time they see it on Instagram they're like let me actually like stop scrolling and like look at this thing it keeps you know what I mean like in their in their subconscious I'm trying to get you know into their I'm sending subliminal messages about craft content but then yeah, I think sure. I, I think like you said too though like even after you do that according to you, it's okay to like repost it later. Then like, if it's evergreen content, then maybe you could post it again later in a more staggered effect. 
So one of the things that you just mentioned was that even like you feel like maybe people are getting bombarded with the content on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter all at the same time. But truthfully, you might not, that person that's on Facebook isn't even on Twitter, you know, or they're not mm-hmm. on Instagram. So or not at the same time. And not at the same time. So they're not, not all seeing the content. You might have, I'm a Pinterest person. That's my go-to place to go. And then you're going to have your Instagram person and that's where they are like, you know, that Instagram timer, 5.5 hours of the day. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, and so the same people don't see your content at the same time. Some of them do, but not everybody sees all the content at the same time. So it's fine to, you just, you just do you, you can either just bombard people with it or stagger it, but don't assume that, don't assume that you're going to burn people out on the content. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I personally feel like content itself it's, it's a lot to create the content, to post it to these days. Think of when, think about when I met you on MySpace days and how you would just post a little blog on MySpace and you would upload mm-hmm. a picture and you were done. Like you only had one platform. Maybe, right. a, maybe, a, maybe you went to like a forum or a group, like remember craft craftsy or get oh, crafty. Yeah. Maybe you'd go over there and you post in there, but you didn't have all these places that you had to schedule out. So I just really don't know as a content creator and an individual like proprietor, how people have the time to do all of this staggered posting. Maybe you do, you might have amazing time management skills, but for me, I know what works for me. And that is just kind of putting it across the board and, and just seeing how it does. And then going in my insights and looking and seeing how things did at the end of the day, did that work or did that not work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And, you know, and on top of that, like, I always like to say, you know, God bless virtual assistants and scheduling tools. Oh, right. If worse yeah. comes to worse. Yeah. <laughs> those and those are always helpful. That's great. If you have a virtual assistant and you can be like, hey, I want you to go in there and I want you to look at the best times my stuff's performing and doing all of this kind of thing. Go for it. Get them, get them to kind of stagger it and help you build out like a strategy for your post. Mm-hmm. Um that's totally a great idea. I know I don't have one of those. So I think sometimes we have to kind of do the best that we can do in the moment. And mm-hmm. then if we have maybe a little more time, we can go back and tweak and stagger some stuff. Cool. But, you know, I think that for so many of us, we get so we hype ourselves up over our content. First of all, I'm sure you probably see this where you have friends and be like, Oh, I didn't post my post today. Or even mm-hmm. ourselves we're like, Oh crap, I didn't blog today. And it's like, you know, you're putting that pressure on yourself. Nobody else is looking at you and being like, wow, Jennifer's post really isn't up today. There might be a couple, but for the most part, nobody's paying attention to that but you. It's all these self-imposed rules yeah, you're life, putting on yourself. Life goes on without a daily Instagram post. Right? It does. <laughs> so <laughs> The world is not going to stop because Instagram and Facebook broke yesterday. No, no. It exactly. did. It did break. <laughs> I know it did. Well, it's funny. Like I was supposed to do an Instagram live video and I was like, well, I guess I'm not like, I guess I'm off work duty today. I know. I, I, there was, I was a like, bunch I of put memes. On makeup even. <laughs> You're like, I went to the next effort. There was exactly. a bunch of memes today about that. That were really funny. It's like everything I did when Facebook and Instagram was down and like people got all this stuff accomplished. It was pretty funny. Yeah, I know. I saw like Jennifer Priest was like, <laughs> I'm on Twitter. <laughs> it's like Twitter's still going. It's like, dang, we're bringing it back, keeping it old school. Periscope, periscoping, and Twittering, and even right. I know exactly, keeping it old school. So, <laughs> 
Another topic that you talk about a lot is um, on the Swell creative side is your benchmark content. Yes. So for someone like me, let's say, or and I know there's other, you know, card carrying members of the ADD Crafters Club. Um, what, how, how does someone define their it content? I feel like a lot of us are so all over the place in what they do. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I find it hard mm-hmm. for myself and I hear other people say this, like, what is my bench? You know, I'm not Vicky that just knits or I have a friend, Diane, that just does leather tooling, you know, for mm-hmm. those of us that like multi-craft, how do you find your benchmark content? Well, the first thing you really have to do is there's a couple ways. Um, you need to go back in your insights, like in your Google analytics, your Facebook insights, your Instagram. If you can go back in and kind of see what, what posts are getting the most engagement, which ones are getting the most responses. Maybe people are writing you about it. It, it really has a lot of traction. You know, it's just those posts that it sparks a conversation. And so you might have those on like your actual social media, but from a blogging standpoint or a video standpoint, what, what content have you created that is the most viewed, has the most comments? It just has maybe the most um, retention. Mm-hmm. You know, people aren't, aren't bouncing off of it. They're, they're sticking and watching it. So you need to kind of go in and check mark those things. Um, also to what we were saying earlier, if it's a piece of content people are copying and you've seen the rip you off, that's a good sign that you, you're on to something that you need to leverage more. And that's a, a really good sign that it's a benchmark piece of content. Okay. You know, the other question is, now I've done that and I've gone through my Google analytics, but for someone like me, I have this, like, I have a weird thing that's happened that one of my most popular pieces of content is a post I did. I mean, Tallulah just turned 10 years old Mm -hmm. and it was a pair of felt baby booties that I embroidered for her before she was even born. And that is like always one of my like number one pieces of content. But for me, you know, it's like, I got an eight and a 10 year old. I have no interest in making baby booties anymore. I'm like, how do I make benchmark content out of, out of baby booties? Do I need to find friends with babies? Like, I don't know what I need to do. Do I need to make adult ones like slipper versions? I think that comes down to where's your brand at now? If you're not mm-hmm. in that space of the baby stuff, cause I do remember when you were posting a bunch of baby stuff cause it was like new and exciting. And that was like you had new children. And of course mm-hmm. you would make baby baby projects but if it's not what you're doing anymore I don't feel like that's where you need to spend your time just be like great I got this post you might want to um on that post you might want to um (laughs) you know how on say yes to the dress they're always like jack it up put that put that veil on there um you might want to do that and um go in there make sure your affiliate links all that good stuff is on that post maybe some more links that like lead to some of your other greatest hit projects, Mm -hmm. like maybe beef that post up so that you're still getting good traffic to it. But I wouldn't say you need to go continue to make baby booties. (laughs) You know, I just don't feel like that's where you're at currently in your professional life. Only unless you really like, I want to, I want to ride this. I want to, you know, and that's where you're, you're, you're willing to go into that space. Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't want to make any more baby booties, but that's a great point. I need to go make sure all those like, you know, internal links are there and the affiliate links and all those kinds of things. Good way to, good way to beef up benchmark content, even if it's something that you don't feel like making anymore. 
Yeah, and the one thing with benchmark content that I always see an opportunity is um, if you have a piece of benchmark content, it's just like the one that's performing so much. There's so many opportunities for you to go in and to say, okay, well, this, this mason jar craft I made for the holidays is really performing. And you look at it and you'd be like, why is it performing? Well, it's seasonal. People like seasonality things. Um, maybe you need to start looking at it and be like, hmm, this really hit it off. Like, could I make an Easter version? Could I make mm -hmm. a 4th of July version? And if you're really smart about it and you have the time, you bulk do that work. You, 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 you could use the same exact steps. I'm not joking. You can use the same exact step outs and then it has different end role. You know end what I mean? Results. End results. End results. You could use the same step outs, a nice photo for the main photo, and then maybe the end result. But you, if you think very strategically about your content, you can really make more from less. I know. And I need to do better about that. It was funny, you know, I interviewed the guys from um, the Crafty Lumberjacks and we were mm -hmm. talking about, you know, sometimes you just get like caught up in the moment of crafting and you like forget to take the step out. So you're like, I'm in the zone. I don't want to stop. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take these mm -hmm. step out pictures, you know, and then later you post it and it's a big hit and you're just like, damn it. Why didn't I stop yeah. and take those step outs? Or you have to like go and remake it just up to that point just to get the step out photo. I know it's hard. Like I'm just not the I'm just not the best planner when it comes to that. Like double dipping. See, my content. I think for you, if you if you did want to plan out your content, like that would be a great idea for you to if you had an like an assistant or a help somebody could help you that was crafty they do all the planning you just tell them what you want and then you maybe just knock it out in the morning you know what I mean yeah I know I I am one of those people that like need somebody to help me keep keep my life straight like I, you know I'm still using a paper planner with stickers it's probably half that's probably half my problem I need to upgrade no like, that's not <laughs> a bad idea planners are awesome I need to upgrade to like you know google spreadsheets slack things like that <laughs> so I don't want to reveal all the secrets in your amazing yeah. download so everyone still goes to your website and gets it for themselves however one of the things you know you're talking about like how to repackage all that content and for me and I know a lot of my friends I wonder about repackaging video content so like if someone wants to have a presence on YouTube Facebook live IGTV all of those places do you mm -hmm. have any suggestions for how to film a video one time and get it on all those places or do you think you should record the same project or segment three different times three different ways for the three different platforms okay I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts on this <laughs> how you can do it and how, what I would do um, if I think if you're going to do that, it's up to your personal preference. If you're really picky about, like some people are like aesthetically, they're like, no, that's vertical. It has to be formatted vertically, perfectly. Mm -hmm. And then there's some people that are like, wide applies to everything. What I would personally do if it was me is I would shoot it wide, like, you know, I don't know, the horizontal version. Mm -hmm. Keep everything centrally located in the mm -hmm. shot. I used to do this with, I used to do videos for Darby Smart, and this is what I'd always do because I had to turn them square. Oh. Um, so I would shoot them horizontal, and then I would keep everything centrally located so I could crop it square. 
But if you can think, be a little bit even more mindful and know that maybe the end result, you need to leave a little extra room at top and bottom so that you could then turn it into a vertical format video for Instagram TV or for even like your stories or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you just have to be really, you have to think strategically in your mind as you're doing it. You have to think like, this is all the formats I'm getting. Now let me see how I can squeeze out every piece of content from this one video I'm taking. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking would be the best way to do it is like exactly what you said, film it horizontal so that it would work on YouTube, but then you could also crop it for IGTV. I wonder about, this is one of the things keeping me up at night. You know, you or uh, Facebook doesn't like it when you upload videos from other places. It didn't like mm-hmm. start, you know, they really hate it when you link to mm-hmm. YouTube and so, you know, I wondered about shooting it as a Facebook Live wide with, you know, whatever right and smack mm-hmm. in the center. Then you could put it on YouTube and then you could also still crop it. The only problem with that is if you do a Facebook Live, then there's going to be that part where you're like answering questions that the people on IGTV and YouTube are like, who is she talking to? What's happening right now? I've done that with the Facebook Live. And I take the Facebook Live, I save it, and then I go in the editing program and edit it down. And I put music over on top of it as opposed to um, a talk over. Oh, oh. You just have to get, like, I use Premiere because I was using iMovie for a really long time. And the frustrating thing about iMovie is you can't really crop your videos to be square or vertical. And so once I learned Premiere, I now have the flexibility to be like wide, square, vertical, and it just gives me some more more options. It's a little harder to use, but once you get a hang of it, it's not so bad. Okay. Well, maybe I'm, I'm still like playing around with like iMovie and I think I like Facebook Live because there's no editing to do. I just like hit the little red button and go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, ne- I need to up my movie skills. Clearly, either that or I need to sign like Tallulah up for like movie editing summer camp. Yeah, get those get those kids working. I know. On the I got I got to bring them into the family <laughs> business. I got to get them. Get well, them she's already it. doing like your theme songs and stuff. So I know. Seriously, not? you got to start them young. You gotta <laughs> you gotta get them in. Why do you have kids unless they're gonna work for you? So I I noticed that you're also posting video on LinkedIn, and you and some other people I know kind of in this same industry or kind of having a moment with LinkedIn. Why do you think that's an important platform for your message? People don't usually really consider it like a place to disseminate information or like another social media platform, but I, it feels like you and a handful of other people I know are really using it in a smart way right now. You know, my personal opinion is LinkedIn is the dark horse of marketing right now. <laughs> I like that. I like this theory. I'm kind of feeling you on it. Because, okay, think of what LinkedIn is for. It's for, it's more of a professional, it's more of a professional social media, right? Mm-hmm. For a long time, it was kind of stodgy. Nobody wanted to go in there. I, nobody wanted to even update it. But now it's like they've gotten so robust with, um, it's just become so much more social. The video content's really good. The thought-provoking topics on professionalism, creativity, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And what I see from it, which it's also a strategy in its own self, the LinkedIn thing, I'm still getting a hang of it, but videos take a big precedent right there on on LinkedIn. And if you can get in there and you can just show your authority, like, like I could even see you like 
cutting maybe some of your videos down for Facebook or doing being like, hey, I'm going live on Facebook tomorrow at this time and kind of just doing some short form. They don't have to be fancy at all. They can just be even just like the talking into camera bit. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have to be this polished piece. But the biggest advantage with LinkedIn is building your authority. So you can be seen. People are like, wow, that Jennifer Perkins, she is always online doing videos. Wow. I really need her to be an ambassador for my brand. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. because the brand managers, the presidents, the CEO, everybody's on LinkedIn. So the people with the money are on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I think like you said, dark horse is a good way to put it. I feel like a lot of people don't consider it somewhere they should be sharing. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying like, I, I think there's certain things that you post on there. Like for me, like in my mind, like I'm not going to post like, here's a Christmas tree I decorated, but I might post like, I don't know, something more related to like creative queso with like business stuff. Like I feel like there's a time and a place for LinkedIn, but within those things, or even if it's a video of you showing a Christmas tree or whatever to show, like you said, your authority on like, Hey, I can host video and I can do those things. I think people really underestimate it. And it's a great way to connect with like, CEOs or people within your industry, people that aren't going to, might have a gazillion followers on Instagram and you're going to get lost in their DMs or, mm -hmm. you know, not going to accept your friend request on Facebook, but you know, you might like end up in front of them on LinkedIn. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I think of you and um, your content, like I remember you posted a video that you had made with like Treetopia and it was like, look at these trees I decorated. That would be great LinkedIn content because it mm -hmm. showed you as the brand ambassador, but also your professionalism in working with a company. Good you job. know, mm -hmm. I would think that I could also see you doing um, just creativity tips. Maybe it's your, your creative queso, but maybe you can kind of do a shout out. Um, you could you can kind of do like a shout out creative tip and then lead them over to your creative queso to learn more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like there's a lot of creative things you could do on um, LinkedIn with LinkedIn video and they don't have to be very long. They could literally be 30 minutes. You know, one of my, not 30 minutes, 30 seconds, <laughs> 30 minutes, I'd be a little long. Um, one of my most popular posts on there was a meme I did with myself. Oh. I was like, so I think people think like, Oh, LinkedIn, like that's, you have to be super uber professional. I'm like, I think the people standing out are the ones that are being real, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I don't I don't feel like it's that way either. I mean, I know exactly what you mean. And like you said, I get some of my, like, you know, if you like the business side of the arts and crafts industry, there's always, like, great information in the news feed. I always find myself, like, mm -hmm. pinning articles mm -hmm. and reading things and being like, oh, that's riveting. I was interviewing, uh, you know, Abby Glassenberg from Craft Industry Alliance not long ago, mm -hmm. and she and I were talking about how, like, LinkedIn is a wealth of information, you know, for stuff like for, for insider crafty information. Yeah, I think, I really think, I don't think, I don't think enough people are taking advantage of it. And I, girl, I think we need to go out there and I think we need to kill it on LinkedIn. Right. I know. Like after I get off the phone with you, I'm going to be like, I need to go. Out. <laughs> That's I need what to go my tagline is. My, my um, tagline on LinkedIn is killing the digital marketing game, marketing game with, um, gut instinct, um, creativity, and some bad puns. I know. I saw that when I was like stalking you and researching you today. I love that. It's perfect. Well, I mean, you know, because you're like very professional and you know what you're doing, but you're also like, you know, funny and great at creating content. So that's, 
that embodies. Well, your- I'd say any content you create as much as possible, you fuse your real personality into there. Like, you know, I've always written funny. I, mean, I think you've done this too. You just, you can't help but just be yourself and write like the fun stuff and the way you talk into your content. Cause it just makes it much more, I don't know, friendly and relatable and people want to follow it and engage with it. Yeah. I mean, I just, it gets into trouble when you write content for other companies that are like, yeah, you need to, you need to tone down the conversation. You need to tone it up. Well, con- I, context is everything. <laughs> I know. And I was just like, dang you. Like that was funny. I have to edit that line out. So you love LinkedIn, but what do you think? Like, let's say somebody just can't, like they just can't juggle it all. You know, I know everybody like loves them, the Instagram, and maybe that, you know, is going to be the answer to your question. But what do you think as a creative content designer is like the most important social media platform? Like if somebody like only had time for one, like which one do you think they should be paying attention to? Oh, okay. So I think it, it, it well, a, where where are your people at that you get the most engagement is what mm-hmm. you should be looking at. Who where where are people just talking to you, engaging? You might like have a thriving group on Facebook that that's your bread and butter of where you get the interactivity. Um, but I I think my main choices here. Ooh, I mean Instagram's definitely having a big moment right now. But you have to really understand it and really dive deep with your target market mm-hmm. and use both your feed and your stories to your advantage stories. They have such an advantage right now because they're not, you know, when, when you get served stuff in your feed, it's all algorithm based, whereas stories, it shows up first. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, if you're always posting really good content in your stories, it's a really great way for you to stand out. So, I mean, I would probably go the Instagram route right now because I feel like that's like, especially if you're in the crafty business and you're looking to get clients, it's like the easiest place to message and make relationships and build kind of partnerships along the way. Yeah, no. And I was going to say, I actually, um, I just read or listened to a podcast with Joy Cho and she was talking about like, you know, some of the big, uh, you know, deals that she's gotten have been because like, she's like, just like kind of slipped into somebody's DMS on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So on the flip of that, like what's one that you think people could kind of let go of within the creative industry? Like I have a hard time because my gut goes with Twitter as a crafter. Although I do see lots of artists on there, like Tad Carpenter and Andy J pizza and those people, but for creative queso, I still feel like, it's a viable place. Like people want like business marketing, blah, 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 blah on Twitter, but not so much like look at the Christmas tree I decorated. Yeah. I mean, I will just say Twitter. I mean, you know, I don't feel like I've never personally got a lot of ROI off of Twitter for Uh my personal self. Like I, I will tell you the only time I have is there used to be, um, I think Heather Mann and Amy had a, they had this crafter Twitter thing. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Crafter minds, Twitter uh-huh. chat. And so a collective group of people, let's say 50 people showed up and they were having these conversations about certain topics. And I see that still happen within the social media. There's still people that show up once a week and they talk on a Twitter topic on social media. That's a really great place to become authority. If you're like in that kind of tribe or your hashtag social media or you could maybe with crafts, but I just haven't seen much traction for m- myself on Twitter with that kind of thing. I feel like you spend a, can spend a lot of time there mm-hmm. and um, not really get a lot of places with it. Get a lot of bang for your buck. Out it of might it. be a 
if you are like on a local level, you might have a little more um, success if you have a network built locally. And mm-hmm. like, say you owned a little craft store or you had like um, paint and sip type nights and you go on there and you're sharing your information and people are like, oh my gosh, I got to go to this local event. I mean, there might be more of an advantage there. Mm-hmm. And by no means does it mean that Twitter doesn't work for some people. It does. But I just, for a lot of crafters, I haven't seen it really really you know, do all creative. that much. I seen all that much. So if anybody has an example of that negates that, let me know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I could ever see is like, since a lot of people don't use it, like if you tag a large company that, you know, maybe is getting tags from a lot of other places, maybe they're not, um, you know, maybe like on, on, uh, Twitter, they're not getting tagged quite as much. So you might like show up in their feed a bit more than other ones. Um, you know, another thing I was going to say for me personally, I find social media sites like Pinterest and Facebook and Twitter easier sometimes because you're rewarded a lot of times for sharing other people's content as well as your own. As to where Instagram, it doesn't really work like that. You don't, you don't put someone else's picture in your feed, or if you do, you do it infrequently. You know, you might do it in your stories, but not in your actual feed. And the other one's you know, those three social media platforms you can share, but on Instagram, there's like that pressure that it like has to be like, all you all the time, Mm. you know? So maybe that's why I still like have like a soft spot for Twitter. Cause I'm like, but I can just hit retweet and it's so easy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It does take a lot more energy to reshare other people's content on Instagram. I think it, well, only unless you're just I mean, you could still kind of maybe be creative in a way and be like, hey, here's my five follow Fridays and try to network and create relationships like that. Um, Or just use the, I think the advantage there is the the behind the scenes Instagram stories. I Mm -hmm. think that's where you create a lot of DM and engagement between people. Like, because if you like, for example, if we like tagged a bigger artist that we really loved and said, oh my gosh, I love this piece or that they created and then they reshare your post, you get more exposure. So I haven't played around with that enough, but I think there is some opportunity there. Yeah, no, I I know what you mean. Like stories is one of those things, like I know that it's like an important thing and I should be doing it. And I can tell from my analytics how important it is, but it's like, I still keep forgetting to play with my stories as much as I should because, you know, it's hard to do it at all. I've been doing these ones where I just like turn it on when I go on my way to work. (laughs) And this is on Swell Creative, which isn't really, I just, I called them Welcome to My TED Talks. I'm starting to call it Welcome to My Alexa Talks, where I just talk about life or I talk about like sharing other people's content or I might say like, you know, um, I don't know, just some kind of little nugget of wisdom if I, if I have a nugget of wisdom mm-hmm. and I post these and everybody's been saying Alexa I love your TED talks I love them that you're that's my favorite thing you do and I'm like what I look like a hot mess in my car and that's the one you like the most okay well like you said maybe interesting yeah maybe that's what maybe that's what you need to be listening to that maybe that is your uh what did you call it your cornerstone your key content your uh well that's as I've becoming more aware of myself as I've gotten older. I know that there's a part of myself and this is what I would suggest to everybody else is go a little deeper than just craft. Like Mm -hmm. I think you probably have this too. It's like, um, I would say like, I'm, I'm making this assumption, but your love of crafts and vintage craft probably, um, 
is a deeper thing than just being like, I love retro crafts, right? It's, mm-hmm. It was instilled in you as, from a kid. So like maybe bringing that nostalgia and memory making and like all that kind of thing to the forefront that why you have such a tie to it. For me, I've always been myself. I've always been a very authentic person and I know that I've always been fun. So like I try to incorporate all that into my content and mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm just trying to think of like, I'm not just a crafter. I'm not just a creative, but as a whole, who am I? Because that's where you really connect with people when you get in there in that relatable moment with them, you know? No, that's true. That's, that's a great point. And you are always really good at, you know, sharing your, your true self and all those kinds of things. See, I can't go deep. Like I'm that person, like... I don't, I don't have the feelings. Like I don't, I don't let the feelings out. Like <laughs> Vicky's known me for like 20 years and she'll like often say to me, like, it really worries me that I've never seen you cry. Like in 20 years, I'm like, dude, I just, I don't like, I'm just that person. It's not that I don't have feelings, but I'm like, I just, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't let them out. I can't go deep. I can't go deep in public. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. No, we just, I know what you mean. It just depends on your personality though. Like, and and not everybody's thing is to share that kind of information. It's really for, I think any content you put out there, it's like, what do you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, no. And I know exactly what you're saying. And no, and I have seen your uh, Ted slash Alexa talks. And I do, I do (laughs) think that's, I'm rebranding. I like it, but I, I do think that is like a great spot for you. Like spreading a little, a little joy, a little wisdom and a couple of bad puns as you would say. So it's a good, yeah, it's a good, do. it's a good happy spot for you. So on Swell Creative Media, you offer a ton of great services. You do consultant works, you do trend spotting, social media audits, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But recently you have also launched an online course, which is Content Strategy Mastermind or a Content Strategy Mastermind. Can you give yes, me like, yes. give me an elevator pitch about this class? <laughs> Well, it's um, it starts the 18th of March, which is next week. However, you know, if, if you got in the fray, if you wanted in like the first week after this launches or whatever, I can I can get you in there. But what it is, is basically a lot of what we kind of talked about content strategy. You've heard me kind of talk on some of my thoughts, but I really help you plan out your content in a way that's um, more streamlined. So like we talked about, um, you know, you take this one piece of content and let's just really see how we can blast it out on these social medias and be really strategic and smart about it so that we're not spinning our wheels, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that's really important to me. And then also the other piece of it is honing in on your benchmark that we talked about. What are your benchmark? um, Not so much your content pieces, but your qualities. Like what are these things that really resonate to you and are are part of your story or your brand that you want to tell? So we kind of dig deep in that and kind of, really um, develop the strategy for you that feels really aligned for your social media channels. Oh, that sounds wonderful. It sounds like some of us, you know, myself included, need that like hand-holding when it comes to things like that. You know, it may seem like so obvious to some people, but people forget like some of us, it's like a content calendar. Like what, what does that mean? Like, (laughs) how do you, you know, like you were saying earlier, how do I make this mason jar three different ways? Like, I don't understand. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people could really use some, uh, some guidance. Well, I've even said to people in the past, like, I'm like, what would it look like if you took that piece of benchmark content, for example, and you said once a month, I'm going to post something along the lines of that. And then by the end of the year, you got 12 posts that are like very signature pieces of content that are performers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of stuff. I don't know. Like I could 
that could potentially be in this course. Like if it just depends on the person, you know what I mean? I one part of the course that I'm doing is um, you actually have like a one-on-one with me where we sit down, we talk and we kind of say, okay, I'm struggling with this. How can I do this? How can you get more leverage more of this? And, and like, I'll help walk you through it because at the end of the day, we don't always have a lot of time, but what's the smart and strategic move for us to do? Because that's, what we get in is we get in the process of doing, but we don't sit there and think, hey, let me, I need to take a step back and be like, what's working? What is my end result with this? What is my goal I want from all of this? Mm-hmm. And as everybody loves to say right now, you know, work smarter, not harder. And sometimes you just need someone like you to help you figure out exactly how to do that. Yeah. And that's what I'm, I'm, I've been good at for a while. And I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm just with a lot of you guys out there, like, I've been really focusing on myself and being like, what are my gifts? What are the things I'm good at? You know, mm-hmm. like, and so like, I've kind of evolved, like when we were talking about crafts, I, I really dug deep and I was like, what are my benchmark things that I'm good at? And one of them is social media and content strategy. That's just something I've gotten good at over the years. So um, recognizing that maybe that's not in your wheelhouse and not the strongest thing that you're good at. And Sometimes, I mean, people are like, oh, why would I ever pay a person to help me with that? It's like, well, you don't really have any strategy right now. So not, why not pay somebody a little bit of money and then just feel so good about the content you're producing, you know, like, mm-hmm. and feel so aligned and that you're making strides toward your goal, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like one of the, you know, one of the things I always tell myself or tell other people is like, I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. And if you, you know, yeah. and if you need like a content whisperer, like you, you know, to help you, like, get, take that <laughs> get those things laid out, then like, you know, you need to know that, that you can't do it all. And maybe that's not your strong suit. So, you know, get someone who, who that is their, that is their Jimmy Jam and they can help you get it all lined up. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. Cause like one of the things like at my old job that I would do at a craft company is I would, you know, we'd have this product and we're like, wow, we got to hit it big this year. And I'm like, you got, 10 gajillion platforms okay what's those one or two things you're gonna do that's really gonna spark it off so I would always go that way with things you know I'd be like if we only could make one or two just like two decisions to to highlight this what area are we gonna go to and then I would go to that area and I'd implement that Mm -hmm. so that's where strategy comes in mind with all that kind of stuff because you you have to make choices we can't do everything yeah, you can't you can't do everything and just because you made the cutest thing in America and you know and it doesn't go viral, maybe it really is the cutest thing in America, but you didn't have like a plan in place to get it in front get it in front of America or the people that would really love well, it. Well, that's that's a whole other thing. I should teach a different course on that. And it's like launching your content basically, like how do you really get it out there to be seen? I feel like you've always been really good at that. Thank you. Like you've known the one thing I always was like, Oh, Jennifer, she gets in all these magazines back in the day. Like I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like she really knows how to get her stuff out to the people. Thanks. Yeah. I don't do it as much as much now. You know what I find now more like with things like that is people will be like, this magazine called me and they wanted something overnighted. Can you believe that? Like I'm going to jump up and like overnight something. I was like, yeah, I can Mm -hmm. believe it. Like you better get up off your butt and go overnight it. Like, (laughs) If Vogue, if Vogue calls and they need it by 8 a.m. tomorrow, like, you find the place and you get it to them or whatever. Like, I was no fool. I just found so many people that were like, can you believe they want me to do that interview by tomorrow? And it's like, yeah, 
yeah, I can. And like, you need to drop everything. Yeah, and you were, you need to drop everything like and do the, it. <laughs> you were like the OG, one of the OG, like creatives though, doing that. Like that was when like nobody had a bead store. <laughs> yeah. I was, think back in the good old days, back when we rode our covered <laughs> wagons to Michael's. <laughs> I go to Michael's and I try to find pink beads. I couldn't find any pink beads. Oh be no! My God, what's the world? Do you know what I mean? To? Like it was just like there uh-huh. was such little selection back then. Oh, I know. I used to go and like try to buy resin, and they would have like resin, but not the catalyst. Which clearly you need the catalyst to make resin. And I would be like, <laughs> "Do you understand? This is a two-part deal, people." So. Oh, well. Okay. Well, I'm going to end on a little bit of a personal note with a couple of personal questions. So first of all, tell me about your unicorn mask and why you love it so much. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is I got that unicorn mask in like 2013. (laughs) And so I would use it. I would use it in things and nobody had seen those unicorn masks, like very few people. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I got a unicorn mask. And then it slowly unicorns infiltrate and everybody has a unicorn mask now. But I just like that thing because it's, you know, I mean, I, somebody called me the creative unicorn, just like you call me the, the content whisperer and I ran with it. I was like, oh, I am the creative unicorn. So it fits it you perfectly. <laughs> it it kind of aligns with my personality and it's just kind of goofy and I can give it personality. So there, that's, that's your answer. Why like the unicorn mask? <laughs> I, I like it. That works for me. It does fit you. It fits you well. I need to add it into more stuff. Right. See, I need to add it in. I need a content strategy for adding in that unicorn mask. Put it on the list. Put it on the list. Make yep. it happen. Yep. So next, how come you love Freddie Mercury so much? Is it after uh, Bohemian Rhapsody or have you always been like a queen fan? I love your uh, little dancing videos. I got to get to those more. Okay. This is the deal. I didn't really, I knew who Freddie Mercury was. I knew, like, if somebody had shown me a picture, I'd be like, oh, that's Freddie Mercury. But I didn't really listen to Queen. But then I went to sell Bohemian Rhapsody, and I was like, oh, I like this story. Now, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie as a whole was entertaining. I did like it, but my most favorite part that I, I went to see it twice for what was the end scene at the Live Aid. Like, I, I love that so much. I'm sorry if I'm giving that away to anybody. But... <laughs> I immediately went home and I watched the live aid that was the real deal. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like floored. This man. Yeah, this man. That was like the best 20 minutes of my life, first of all. <laughs> I was like, I could watch this every day from because just his personality. And I think, you know, this is my coach says he's always says that we're mirrors of other people that we're that we're friends with or we're attracted to or whatever. And there's something about Freddie Mercury's energy that I just love so much. He's funny. He's animated. He isn't afraid to be himself. And that's what I loved about like what now. And I've seen probably 90% of all the Freddie Mercury images and videos at this point. (laughs) Now you're like super fan. Well, it's funny. I haven't, I'm like you, like, obviously I know who Freddie Mercury is. I'm familiar with queen, but I haven't seen the movie and like, now it's on like Amazon Prime, and I'm just like, ooh, like I should watch it this weekend. Yeah, I want to see it because everybody watch it. Everybody said what you said, like yeah, they were okay, like they had songs I liked, and then I watched the movie, and I was like, and then I watched the, the Live Aid thing, and then I was like a mega fan. It, it he's just interesting and fascinating to me as well because, um, what was interesting about him is how he he was so he was like a chameleon like mm-hmm. who he was in the 70s isn't who he was in the 80s you know like he changed his persona and I personally am more of a fan of the Freddie mustache Freddie yeah um, I, I, I do love the mustache 
he he looked so hot in Radio Gaga in that I was born to love you video. I was just like, man, he's a good looking man. Anyway, but um, well, that's part of the infatuation too. But whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and I've always loved people like that too. That can really have always been their own person, but can always like yeah easily change. Like you know, Freddie Mercury or David Bowie or Madonna. You know, all those people that are always the same but so radically different and setting a trend or, you know, a movement with their differentness. Yeah. I read it. I watched an interview with him and somebody was just like, what would you do if you weren't famous? And he kind of was like, Oh, I'd be the same Persian poppycock that I've always been. (laughs) I know you can't, you can't change it. No, you got to let it out. Because I'm famous. Doesn't mean I wouldn't be this way, you know? Exactly. So he just would be a less famous eccentric guy. Yeah. I definitely have to get back on my Friday Mercury's because that was the other thing. People were like, I love your Friday. I know. I was like, where's the dance party been? Bring it back. Like get your, get your uniform mask on and get some dancing. That's me needing to bulk, bulk my content. (laughs) That's my own problems with my own personal content. I need to do a whole day of Freddie Mercury videos and then just knock out two months worth. Right. I, I love that you're talking about like my dancing to Queen songs could be my benchmark content and I need to batch <laughs> process those. Like only you, like if you guys aren't familiar with Alexa, only the girl that wears a unicorn mask and does Friday dance parties to Freddie Mercury would talk about batch processing. The 40 year old woman. <laughs> I love that. But that's why, that's why I love you and you're such a fun person. So my last question oh, that I, thank you. you're welcome that I end every interview with is Tell me about queso in Fresno. Is there such a thing or is it not? I know there is queso in California, but. Like the actual queso queso? Oh, see, already, like you're answering, you're answering my question. You like the golden dip that you like put your chip into. Like, did you have it like when in Kentucky when you grew up? Is it popular around Fresno? Well, I mean, no, there. Okay. So I'll give you the Kentucky. I'm not venturous my food, so, I mean, I go to Qdoba to get queso. Um, you also could get the queso at Chipotle locally here, which I've stopped getting because I was like, ah, I don't need the extra calories. But locally, I don't know that there's a really great queso place, but Fresno is known for tacos, authentic tacos. Oh. They even have a baseball team called Fresno Tacos I en- in the summer. I enjoy that. I would be on team. Yeah. I would be on team Taco for sure if I lived there. It's really cute. They have like all this branding. So like on Tuesdays, if they have a game, they're the they're the Fresno Tacos. But other times they're Fresno Grizzlies. Oh, cute. Well, good to know. So that's my. But it doesn't really involve queso. I just don't know really the place around here that's like queso. It was kind of funny though. A couple years ago, my niece came to visit me, and the whole quest, the whole entire trip out. Oh, Ooh, quest for a queso. Ooh. The whole quest was, it packs, I want queso. I want queso. So we would go to a variety of places <laughs> to get queso. And I took her to this place called Free Birds, which it's not around here anymore. But it, they did have some pretty darn good queso. Because they're from Texas. So that's probably why their queso. Was good stuff. So that's why their queso was tasty. Well, Alexa, thank you so much for stopping by and coming to see me and for coming on the show. I can't wait to figure out how to. Thank you, Jennifer. I know. And now I want to go spin Who my Who would have thought. I know. And who would have thought when I reached out to you on MySpace 13 years ago that we would be having a podcast now? I know. It's fate. <laughs> Same trajectory, baby. Exactly. I love it. Well, thank you again. <laughs> and I, I can't wait for everybody to hear this. And you guys be sure to follow Alexa on all her channels and find that PDF I was talking about at swellcreativemedia.com. And you have a great day, Alexa. 
Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, of course. Bye-bye. Please go watch Alexa dance, do a TED Talk in her car, download that incredible PDF on her website, swellcreativemedia.com, and do all of the swell things. Alexa Westerfield is really a content whisperer, and this content creator may never look at a single craft project the same way again. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Creative Queso podcast and hanging out with me, Jennifer Perkins. You can find all the show notes over on creativequeso.com. Plus, be sure to follow me, Creative Queso, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. You know, I'm on all those places. If you heart this podcast half as much as I do, please remember to subscribe, review, and share, especially in iTunes, where every single review helps these interviews get found and heard. P.S. Thank you to my producer, Mariah Gossett, and to Chris Beck for the music.